We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to read four verses from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. The Bible says it this way, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and unto the end of the earth. Father, add your anointing and your blessing to the preaching of your word. Anoint our ears and anoint our hearts to receive the word you have for us today. In Jesus' name. This morning I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about what happens in the waiting room. You know, when I think about Pentecost, I realize that it is the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. It's when everything began and everything started. But you need to realize there was a 10-day period of time from the time Jesus went back into heaven until the Holy Spirit fell upon those 120 in the upper room. There was a waiting period. They were in the waiting room. Now, ladies, I'm sure you didn't want to have a 10-day labor. Can you say amen? That would be a long, long, long time. But listen, what happened after 10 days was so supernatural, so special, so wonderful, so unparalleled in the history of humanity, it was worth the wait when the Holy Spirit of God fell on that 120. You know, when I think about the waiting room, I'm reminded of the story of the three guys who years ago, you know, men couldn't go back for the delivery of the child. They stayed in the waiting room. The three guys were sitting out in the waiting room, waiting for the wives to deliver their children. And after a few hours, a nurse came in and she said, Mr. Jones, the guy stood up and said, I'm Mr. Jones. Great news. Your wife just delivered twins. He said, oh, that's wonderful. I work for the Minnesota twins. And they were all excited. A couple hours later, another nurse came in and she said, Mr. Smith. And another guy stood up. I'm Mr. Smith. She said, congratulations, your wife just delivered triplets. He was ecstatic. He said, that's unreal. I work for 3M. About that time, the third guy in the waiting room jumped up and he headed for the door. And the nurse said, where do you think you're going? Your wife hasn't delivered yet. He said, I'm work for 7-Up and I'm out of (laughs) here. Listen, sometimes what happens in the waiting room isn't what we expect. It isn't what we plan. It isn't what we anticipate. When you read our text this morning, Jesus said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which I've already told you about. But you need to realize time and again, he had said to them, when I'm gone, you're going to go. So his command was go into all the world to preach the gospel. But now he's saying, wait. It creates a paradox. And the gospel is full of paradoxes. As a matter of fact, our life in Christ is full of paradoxes. Think about it. We see unseen things. That's a paradox. We conquer by yielding. That's a paradox. 
We reign by serving. We're exalted when we humble ourselves. We live by dying. The gospel is filled with paradox. So it's only fitting that in the upper room when he gave this command, there would be a bit of a paradox as well. But write this down and remember it. Time spent in the waiting room is always preparation for what's coming. It's never wasted. It's always preparation for what God is already sending your way. And in the waiting room, he prepares your spirit to receive it, your mind to understand it, and your feet to walk it out. It's always a time of preparation. Often, however, when God places us in the waiting room, what we expect to happen is not what occurs. We need to understand God sees things from a whole different perspective than you and I. I think I know what I need, but really he knows what I need. And if I'll humble myself and submit to him and do his ask me and wait, it's amazing what God can do in our hearts and in our lives. If you look at Acts chapter 1 and look at our text one more time, the disciples didn't get it either. Because in verse 6, after Jesus said, you're going to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, what did they say? They said in verse 6, does that mean at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Listen, folks, they've been with him for three years. They saw him do all kinds of miracles. They watched him on the cross. They witnessed his resurrection. For the last 40 days, the previous verse, verse 3 says, he had spent time with them teaching the things of the kingdom. Now hear me. He had spent time with them telling them what was going to happen and occur in the kingdom of God. Yet even after all of these things, after seeing him die, witnessing rise again from the dead, spending time with him for 40 days after he had risen from the dead, they still didn't get it. Because their question was, does that mean right now you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He had already told them about the kingdom, but it didn't sink in. Oh, listen to me. Sometimes God places us in the waiting room so what he's trying to teach us can be absorbed and sink into our hearts and into our lives. Don't begrudge the time God puts you in the waiting room, but rather revel in it because it tells you there's a revelation coming. There's knowledge you haven't yet received. God is fixing to do something that'll blow the doors off your faith and open the windows of heaven and pour out on you something you can't conceive or imagine. If you'll just hold tight, stay in the waiting room. Let him minister you there. Let him minister to you there. They'd been with Jesus, but they were still thick-headed. Some of us are like that, aren't we? I've told you many times, I think God calls me a knothead more than he calls me a son. Because I'm kind of thick-headed, you know? It takes repeated lessons sometimes for me to absorb it and remember it. But we need to understand if we will stay in the waiting room, we gain eternal perspective. We begin to realize things and see things from God's perspective rather than from ours. You see, Paul wrote it this way in Romans 14, 17. He said, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but this is what it is. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, folks, I'm here to tell you, it's time to stop worrying about what I'm going to eat tomorrow, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to wear, and it's time to start reveling in the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Get out of that temporal perspective and begin to see things that are unseen. Begin to hear things you can't hear with the audible ear. That happens in the waiting room. 
That happens when we set aside time and begin to seek the Lord. The waiting room always brings clarity and direction into our hearts and into our lives. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 16. Now this is foretelling. It's a prophetic statement. Verses 12 through 14, and I'm reading it from the message. If that bothers you, get over it. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. Did you hear that? He said, I have a lot of things you need to know, but you're not ready for it. You can't handle it now. Oh, listen to me, friend. This whole thing about Christianity is a process. It's about putting ourselves in the place where God can download into our spirits those things we're ready to receive. And sometimes he says, you're not getting that now because you can't handle it. I got a lot of stuff to tell you, but you can't handle it now. But when the friend comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. He will take you by the hand. And he will guide you into all the truth there is. Oh, Jesus said to him, go to Jerusalem, stay right there and wait for the promise of the Father. He's referring back to John 16. He's saying the Holy Ghost is going to come. Your friend is going to be here. And when he comes, he'll take you by the hand and he'll show you those things you can't right now understand. Somebody said to me, why do we need the Holy Ghost? Because you're not smart enough to do the work of God in and of yourself. Thank you for those of you who agree. Those of you who don't, you need to hit the altar. We don't have the capacity, the mental ability to to, uh, absorb the things of God and cause those things to be translated into action outside of the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. We need the friend to come. And to teach us. And then he goes on to say, he won't draw attention to himself. Somebody needs to hear that today because we think when the Holy Ghost shows up, it's all about me and how I react. Well, listen, folks, if he isn't going to draw attention to himself, he probably doesn't want you drawing attention to yourself. Say amen or say oh me. You know it's the truth. Then he goes on to say, but he will make sense out of what is about to happen. He will make sense out of what is about to happen and out of all that I've said and done. Oh, that's good news for you and me because we can't understand the concepts of the kingdom in our finite mind. It requires an empowering from the Holy Ghost, an anointing from the Holy Ghost, an inspiration from the Holy Ghost for any of this to make sense. For any of this to come to pass in our hearts and in our lives. So three things very quickly. When you're in the waiting room, wait with purpose. Wait with purpose. Don't just find yourself in a position where you're all wrought up, where you're all tensed up, where you're just in a knot because you're waiting. But begin to wait with purpose, knowing that God has something in store for you. You see, when we come to the waiting room with purpose... Our attitude changes. Our heart changes. Our perspectives change. We begin seeing life through the lens of the Holy Ghost and eternity in general. Matter of fact, the 10 days spent in the waiting room completely transformed those 12 disciples and the others that were gathered there with them. They were not the same because they chose to wait. You know, in 2013, Yvonne and I received a call on the same day about this church from two different friends. I've told you that story. I won't belabor the point. We had no interest whatsoever. But the last one, Tony Miller said, well, you probably ought to pray about it. 
Sometimes that's what you do in the waiting room. Is you pray. So we begin to pray. And on August 15th, I remember the day and the time as clear as a bell. There was no doubt in our mind this was our destiny. This is what God had in store for us. But listen to me. We didn't come on August 15th. It was January 12th before we got here. And through those months, God put us in the waiting room. And in the waiting room, we begin to hear his voice. He began to speak life and strength and encouragement. Do you know why? Because he knew what we would need in order to survive here. In order to hang in and be successful. He was pouring that into us in that place and in that time. Truth. You see, so many people think if I come to God and get filled with the Holy Ghost, my life is easy, my problems are gone. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to solve your problems. He comes to give you new challenges. Come on, folks, hear it. He comes to give you new challenges. He sees something in you that you don't see in yourself because he was a part of the creation process. And if you will allow him to do what he wants in your life, you'll go places, you'll do things, you'll see things, you'll say things that are beyond the realm of the natural that move into the supernatural. If you'll just let him do what he wants. He gives you new challenges. New challenges. Reminds me of the lady who said, I got so frustrated with the church I attended, I quit going because everything was five easy, five easy steps. Five easy steps to victory. Five easy steps to deliverance. And she went on and on and on. But you know, there's a point there. I believe people are sick and tired of the how-to gospel. And I believe people are looking for an opportunity to step into the waiting room and have the Holy Ghost of God come down and meet us and pour the Spirit of God into our lives and download something in us that is not natural, that is foreign to us, that comes from the straight throne of heaven to change our lives. I believe some of you are here this morning and that's what you need. You need to get away of the I can and you need to move into he can. Step into the waiting room and let God do something in you and for you and through you. You see, we don't like the waiting room because it's not instantaneous. Because it's not immediate. We can't even wait 10 minutes for popcorn. We have to wait three because it's microwave. Do you know what I'm saying? We're an impatient people and I'm at the head of that train. I'm extremely impatient, but sometimes God says, you're going to slow down, you're going to sit down, and I'm going to put something into your spirit. But it only happens when you go into the waiting room. I'm the first to tell you waiting is hard. But let me encourage you, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says, you have need of patience, having done, having done what God asked you to do, having fulfilled the command that you might receive the promise. Well, that's good stuff. Stop being impatient. Let him do what he wants to do in your heart and in your life. Many of us, because we're impatient, will wait for 30 minutes. We'll wait for an hour. But we aren't going to wait no 10 days. We aren't going to wait no three months. Man, God, you do it now. You're the God of the miraculous. You're the God of the supernatural. My goodness, Lord, you created the heavens and the earth in six days. Why am I still here waiting? We're impatient. We want it right now. Listen to me. Write it down. If you leave the waiting room too soon, you're going to miss the birth. You're going to miss the birth. You're going to miss what God has destined for you, what he's already prepared, what is stored up in the heavens with your name on it. If you walk out, you're going to miss what he has for you. 
spend some time in the waiting room. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But do it because in that place, God will meet you, pour His Spirit out upon you, and prove Himself in your heart and in your life. See, it's often in the waiting room that God uses that situation and circumstance as a crucible in which He refines our character. In the waiting room, He knocks some things out of us that need to be knocked out. And He puts some stuff in us that needs to be put in us. Do you realize when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus' last commands were go into all the world and preach the gospel. One way or the other, that's what He said. But when you turn to the last chapter of John... John didn't say anything about the Great Commission. But his last chapter, he dealt with one guy named Peter. And he told the story of Jesus restoring Peter from the place where he had fallen. Oh, listen to me. This is for somebody in this room this morning. You say, I'm disqualified. I've been pushed away. I've blown it. I've messed up. i got news for you. The seed God put in you, He is still watering. He is still fertilizing. And what He's promised you, it will come to pass. If you'll hang in the waiting room, He's going to bring it out. See, John told about the fact that Peter was restored. I think that's interesting that one of the gospel writers chose to talk about Restoration as he is, as he penned the last words of that book, because it's important for you and I to understand that. Don't disqualify yourself. Simply get back in the waiting room. Simply come back to the place where God can minister into your heart and into your life. So many times we feel like, well, I'm just waiting on God. That means I'm doing nothing. No, actually, the most productive thing you and I can do is to sit in the presence of God and wait to hear His voice and receive from the Holy Ghost on high. Oh, come on, friend. You can lay down that book that tells you how to do it and pick up this book that tells you about the one who will do it and let Him speak in you and speak through you and encourage you and strengthen you and renew you and restore you in the waiting room. See, I think that's happened to Peter. I think that's what occurred in those 10 days. I think in those 10 days, the Holy Spirit of God put his arms around that failure and he lifted him into the very presence of God. And he said, Peter, I already told you, go feed my sheep. Peter, I already told you my calling is sure on your life. Peter, I've already told you, you have a place and a plan in my kingdom. Do what I'm asking you to do. And in those 10 days, something happened inside of him so that when the Holy Ghost fell, he was ready. Oh, come on, listen to me. The waiting room is always preparation for what's about to come. What God's going to download into your heart and into your spirits. We need to understand that just because a dream is delayed doesn't mean it's denied. And it's in the waiting room. We can wrap our head around that. And we can wrap our head around the promise of God. When we hope patiently, God does great things in and through our lives. See, spiritual transformation. I don't remember if this is in your notes or not. My goodness, that was four days I wrote those. So I don't know. If it's not there, write it down. Spiritual transformation doesn't occur when you get what you want. Spiritual transformation takes place while we're waiting. While we're waiting. That's why God can do deep things in our hearts and in our lives. When He can forge us into people of faith and power who can change our world. It's in the waiting room. So when you're in the waiting room, 
You need to wait with purpose. The purpose means God doing me what you desire to do in me. Transform me. Conform me. Transformation always occurs in the waiting room. Number two, I want you to realize that we need to wait with promise. Wait with promise. If we don't wait with promise, we get frustrated and then we leave. We need to wait with promise. Understand God is always working even in the dark. Psalm 139 verse 12 says it this way, The darkness shall not hide from you. The night shines as the day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. Do you understand that even if you can't see it, it doesn't mean he's not working? Even if you can't see it, it doesn't mean he's not working. God works in the dark. And the darkness isn't there to discourage you. The darkness is simply there to prepare you for what's about to be revealed. It's simply covering what God has in store for you. And when the darkness is gone, then you walk into the hope of His promise and you see the things that He declared would happen. Jesus said to the disciples, you're going to wait for the promise of the Father. He was talking about the Holy Spirit coming. Even if we can't see what He's doing, it doesn't change the fact that He's doing Come on, somebody needs to hear that. Even if you can't see what he's doing, it doesn't change the fact that he's doing. He's moving in your life. He's arranging circumstances and situations. He's putting people in and he's taking people out. So that when you step into the promise in the full light of day, oh glory, it's wonderful. Look at the God I serve. Mighty and wonderful is he. When you step into the promise. You see, we need to understand the waiting room isn't about killing time. It's about receiving the promise. The waiting room isn't punitive. It's not meant to punish us. It's meant to prepare us for the promise. Oh, come on, we got to wait with promise. In those months that we were waiting to hear from this church, i got to be honest with you, there were some times in the days we thought, I don't know, God, maybe we missed it. But then God would come back around and speak into our spirits again, and he would remind us of the promise. When we wait, we got to wait with promise. You know, I look over this place today and I think, God, why aren't we full? I don't know, but I'm still waiting with promise. Oh, come on, church, I'm still waiting with promise. Part of it is you and I need to tell somebody what God is doing in this room. Amen. If you don't amen that one, then you're the folks I'm talking to. Get off the seat, open your mouth, and begin declaring the wonderful works of God. Your friends, your family, your co-workers deserve to know that there is a God in the heaven who loves them and cares for them, who saves and heals and delivers, who has the answer to every one of life's problems, who renews and restores and reconciles, but they're not going to know until you tell them. Get off your duff and tell them. Come on, get involved in the building of the kingdom. Tell them. See, Psalm 27, 13 and 14, the Bible says it this way. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Whoops. Think I've been drinking already. We're going to talk about this next week. Living under the influence. Oh, it's going to be a good message. You need to be here. Bring somebody with you. Who knows? I may fall down next week. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. 
The message says it this way. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I say it again. Stay with God. Oh, that's for somebody in this room this morning. You've been teetering on the edge of quitting on God. You're spiritually bankrupt. You're ready to give in. And God says to you today, don't quit. Stay with God. He's going to come through for you. Hold on. Hold fast. Move on in your faith. God will bring the answer. God will bring the answer. We need to understand the waiting room is a place where promise percolates in our spirits. Where what is declared over our lives begins to germinate. And there's going to come a time when it bursts into full bloom. And then we say, look what my Lord has done. Look what my Lord has done. So I ask you, what's his promise to you? You need to go to the waiting room. Pray over it. Believe again. Say, God, resurrect in me that passion and that desire for the promise. You've spoken over my life. Number three, we need to wait for power in the waiting room. Wait for power. Acts 2, 1 through 3, the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wait for the power. Come on, wait for the power. We've done enough in and of ourselves. It's time to wait for the power. Oh, I'm sick and tired of programs. I'm sick and tired of plans. The only thing that's going to change the world is once again, God, send the power. Send the power to your church. That's what makes us effective is when the Holy Ghost power moves in and through our lives. You say, I'm not sure I believe all that. Well, you need to because the Bible says there was a wind they couldn't explain. There was a fire they couldn't put out. A fervency began to burn in their spirit that couldn't be extinguished. Words began to flow that could not be denied when the power showed up. When the Holy Ghost arrived. On the day of Pentecost, you can read the rest of Acts chapter 2 and you should for next week. The Bible says that Peter, the same guy that denied Jesus, the same guy who was a coward in front of servants and handmaids, The same guy who was full of boaster and braggadocious, still on the day of Pentecost. Not a trained preacher, not really a great student of the word, but there was something burning inside of his spirit that had never been there before. There was something happening on the inside of him that just had to come out. And he began to declare the wonderful works of God. He began to declare all that God had in store for them. He began to declare Jesus of Nazareth, who was the risen Lord and Savior, that you killed him. But three days later, he rose again from the dead. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of the living God. And what happened? All those listening ask one question. What must we do? You see, when the power of Pentecost invades your life, suddenly your conversations take on a new tenor. Suddenly your conversations come from a different dynamic. Suddenly the words you're speaking to your family member or your friend or your neighbor or your coworker are anointed words. 
inspired words, words coming from the heart of God that cut to the quick those who are listening and cause them to say, what do I need to do? You see, the only answer is come to Jesus. It's all through repentance and coming to Jesus. Peter stood boldly and began to preach Jesus Christ. How do you explain that transformation in that guy's life? From a coward to a powerful preacher, there's only one explanation. And it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit filling his heart and filling his life. Oh, listen, I believe one of the reasons we're so ambivalent today, even though we say we're a Pentecostal church, we're so ambivalent towards Pentecost is because we are content with what we can do. We are content with what we can plan and we can program, what we can manage. Oh, I'm praying every day, God, would you do something that is so out of hand, so radical, so off the charts, that no man is going to be able to manage it, that this community is going to wake up and say, I don't know what's going on there. It's different. What are those folks doing down there? It's wild. Oh, come on, church. It's time to stop being ashamed of the Holy Ghost and say, I am Pentecostal. I do pray in tongues. I believe in power from on high. It's time to come back to the waiting room. Because there you shall receive power to be witnesses unto me. Peter wasn't much of a preacher. He really wasn't. But let me tell you, when the Holy Ghost spoke through him, 3,000 lives were transformed. At one time. At one time. He had an audience of thousands, but 3,000 said, what must we do? And Peter said, you need to repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. That's what happens when you and I spend time in the waiting room. It doesn't just affect us. Oh, hear me, Christian heritage. It doesn't just affect us. Hear me, those of you watching online. It doesn't just affect you. It affects those around you. Because you can't contain the Holy Spirit. You can't bottle Him up. You can't squeeze Him into your pattern and your form or your ritual. When the Holy Ghost shows up, He's going to blow things apart. Winds that we can't explain. Fires that burn but don't consume. Words that bring fervency and power. Oh God, send the Holy Ghost one more time. Father, now... Impassion this people as you have impassioned me. That we need to come to the position in the waiting room where we say, God, I'm here for a purpose. I'm going to find it. I'm here with a promise. I'm going to receive it. And I'm here to get power to make a difference in my life and those around me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed across this room this morning. You're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you were to die today, you would split hell wide open. See, friend, the only way to get to heaven is by believing on Jesus Christ and asking Him to forgive you of your sins. There is only one way. There are not multiple paths to the kingdom of God. There's only one. That's through His Son, Jesus Christ. So maybe you have tried everything else. I talked to someone recently. They had tried Buddha. They had tried Islam. They had tried all types of other religions and none of them worked. I've got news for you. They don't work because they don't connect you to the Almighty God. The only thing that's going to affect your life and change your destiny is Jesus Christ.
You're in this room this morning. You say, that's me. I've never accepted Jesus. Or I did and I've walked away and I need to come home. That's you right where you sit. Lift up your hand. Pray for me, preacher. I need Jesus. Yes, others across this room. Slip it up and hold it there just a moment. I need Jesus. Anyone else? Yes, someone else. I need Jesus in my life. I want to ask him to forgive me. I want to ask him to come into my life and change me. So wait another moment. Anyone else? You'll lift that hand with these who have. I need Jesus in my life. Yes, I see you up there in the balcony. Someone else. Someone else. As I wait another moment. Yes, I see you, young lady, right there in the risers. Someone else. I'm going to wait another moment. God's talking to your heart. We can't rush when the Holy Ghost is dealing with lives. So wait another moment. You'll slip up your hand and say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Yes. Someone else. Yes, someone else. Another moment. Every one of you who lifted your hands, look your head, look, lift your head, look directly at me. No one else is looking around, just you and me. If you raise your hand, look directly at me. Don't look at someone else. Look at me. This morning, Jesus Christ has promised you that if you will reach out to him in faith and ask him to forgive you, he will forgive you and cleanse you and change your life for all eternity. He also said, if you confess me before men, I'm going to confess you before the Father. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something courageous. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. If you lifted your hand, stand up across this room from the back to the front. Thank you, sir. Others, come on. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.